Well, good morning, everyone. You can open up your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Colossians, we will beginning, be beginning chapter 3 of the book of Colossians. Over the next three weeks, we're going to do a study of the first four verses of Colossians chapter 3. This section provides a bit of a pivot in the book of Colossians. You see, at the beginning, Paul lays out his theological understanding of what Christ has done. That he is preeminent over all the earth. And then in chapter 2, he begins to address the false teachings that have come into the church. And now as we move into chapter 3, Paul is calling us to set our minds upon these theological realities in Christ Jesus. And as we do that, it will then fuel us to live as Christ has called us to live. That is, the way that we live our lives should be rooted in what Christ has done, is doing, and will do for us. So turn your attention now to Colossians chapter 3. We'll read verses 1 through 11. This is God's holy word for His people. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is God's holy word. Let us go to Him now in prayer. Father God, we come to You this morning and we ask, Lord, that as You are faithful to give us Your Word, Lord, that You might also be faithful to apply it to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask that You would open our eyes, unstop our ears, change our hearts, that we might see that we have truly died in Christ and that we are now raised to new life. We pray it all in Christ's holy name. Amen. Have you ever been really lost before? I don't just mean turned around. I mean so lost you don't even know where to start going. Since April and I have moved to Lynchburg, we have gotten ourselves rather turned around a few times. I know that there's Langern Road and there's Link Road, but then I get to Forest and then Old Forest and then Older Forest Road. 
and I have no idea how to get anywhere. How can I be on 501 North and 29 South at the same time? It's frustrating to feel like you're going in circles with no hope of getting home. Now, when I led the Cub Scouts, we used to teach the boys that if they ever got lost, they were to stop, look around, and find a fixed point, like a building or a tree or something that they could begin to navigate by. In the book of Colossians, we find out that the folks of Colossae were getting themselves lost. They had been given some bad directions. False teachers had snuck into the church and were telling people that they needed some extra rules to live by. Sure, Jesus is good, but you need more than Jesus. You need to submit to the elemental spirits of the world. You need to deny yourself certain food and drink. You need to worship angels. You need some cool visions. And by following these laws, the Colossians had gotten themselves lost. They took their eye from their compass, from their fixed point of reference. They stopped looking to the one thing that would give them spiritual direction in life. Their relationship with Jesus Christ. In our verse for this morning, what we find is that we are called to orient our lives around our union with Christ. Our union with Christ. You see, by faith we are brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ and are joined to Him. The Bible uses several images to speak of this union. It speaks of it as a wife being joined to her husband. An orphan being joined to an adoptive family. A branch being joined to a vine. These are all pictures of the vital, living, breathing, intimate relationship that we enter into when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. A relationship that will change the way that we see everything in this world and will give us the direction that we need. Therefore, in verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth. Seek what is above. Set your mind on things above. Orient your life according to this fixed point or you will get lost. See everything through the lens of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul tells us to orient our lives around the past, present, and future work of Christ. And so over the next three weeks, as I have mentioned, we're going to see how we set our minds on what Christ has done, what is He doing, and what He will do for those who are joined to Him. This morning we begin with what Christ has done for His people in the past. Now the first way that we are called to orient our lives around Jesus is to see that we are united to Him in what He has done. We are united to Him in the past. Look at verses 1 and then 3. We'll look at two phrases in those two verses. Paul makes two statements about our union with Christ in the past. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, in verse 1, and then in verse 3, For you have died. You see, 
By faith, you've been joined. You've been united to Christ in His death, in His burial, and in His resurrection. In Colossians 2.12, Paul has already said, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. When you were joined to the body of Christ by faith, you were joined to the work of Christ in the past. His work became your work. You see, just like when you are married, everything is joined, whether assets or debts. All that is Christ becomes yours, and all that is yours becomes Christ's. And the first thing this means is that your debt has become Christ's debt. We are all born under a system of law, a system of rules. You keep the rules, you earn life. If you break the rules, you will earn death. And every single one of us chose the path of disobedience. We've all sinned. As Paul says in Romans 3, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. And so by our sin, we brought ourselves the righteous requirement of the law, which is death. And this is the plight of every single one of us. The wages of sin is death. This is what we bring to our union with Christ. This is our contribution to the marriage relationship. Death. But Paul is saying, That by your union with Christ, by being joined to Him through faith, you have died in the past, in Christ. When Christ died, you died the death that was required of your sin. How? Because Christ died. He joined Himself to us and He paid our debt by dying in our place. That means that we are free from the wages of sin. And we are called to orient our minds around this truth. To live in light of the fact that we have died to sin. So often, our lives are oriented by our past failures, our past disobedience. We continue to live like we have this huge spiritual debt. We live in light of our guilt. A poor decision that hurt a loved one. A harsh word that you can't take back. An affair that ruined a marriage. A private addiction that controlled your behavior and mind for years. A thought so horrible you think God could never forgive me for this. The world is filled with people who are controlled. Who are oriented by their past guilt. They are ever seeking to make up for some wrong. Maybe they seek to repay the world by donating large sums of money. Maybe they think that obeying a strict set of religious rules will free them from their guilt. Sacrifice goods or time in an effort to take away their guilt. And many times people just punish themselves. Day in and day out they make choices that end in their own personal harm because they feel that in some way they deserve to be punished for what they have done. Their life is oriented around their past guilt and it colors every emotion and every decision that they make. They are lost. They are walking in circles because they are oriented around their past guilt. But if you are in Christ, 
you have clear direction. You have died to sin. You've been washed clean. You need not walk in guilt any longer. Whoever is in Christ is free from guilt and no longer has a hold on you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't need to navigate our lives according to our past failures any longer. We don't need to seek to control ourselves by do not taste, do not touch, do not handle. We can live in freedom. So set your mind on this truth. Since you have been united to Christ, the guilt of your sin has been removed. Union with Christ in His path death means that you are presently free from sin's guilt. But our union with Christ does not just mean that our sin has been taken away. Our union with Him also means that we have taken on His righteousness. You see, Paul tells us that we did not just die with Christ, but we have been raised with Him as well. The resurrection of Christ displayed to the world that Christ was righteous. That there was no sin in Him and therefore He deserved life. We earned death so Christ died. But Christ earned life so we live. And while we still await our future physical resurrection bodies, we know that right now, We live in light of the fact that we have been spiritually raised from the dead through our union with Christ. This means that we have been declared righteous by God. Not only are we not guilty, but we are also given merit. We are loved and accepted by God as a true son or daughter. We are brought into the household of God and we are made one with His people. We are loved and we are accepted and we have been richly rewarded. Not because of what we brought to the relationship with Jesus Christ, but because of what He has brought to our relationship with Him. We brought our death in sin and so He died. But He brought His life in His obedience and His merit and therefore we live. This means that you have been set free from the law as the means of making yourself right before God. Again, we are just in this pattern, this understanding that we have to follow the law to be accepted by God. But we tried that path and it failed. Life was given in Christ. You've been raised in Him. But for some reason, we keep going back to that dry well over and over and over again, thinking that we will get some life from our own obedience. We believe that our right standing before God is predicated on being good enough to receive His blessing. We might believe that our sins have been forgiven, but now it's up to us. Now that we've been forgiven, it's up to us to make God happy. Christian, set your mind on the things that are above where Christ is seated. You have been raised from the dead and you now live because of Christ. Stop trying to build your way up to heaven through righteous deeds. For you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Set your mind upon that truth. I'm surprised at how often Christians live by setting their minds upon earthly deeds. 
and not their resurrection life in Christ. Now what does that look like to set our mind on earthly deeds? Well, it means that we keep score. Righteousness becomes a contest. We constantly compare ourselves to other people and make sure that we're at least one step ahead. I've done more service. I've attended more church. I've given more away than them. So God has to be happy with me. It means that we're rigid with ourselves and others. We have very little room for mistakes in our personal life. And we beat ourselves up when we make those mistakes. Or when we see other people stumble. We have no place for forgiveness. But say they're getting what they deserve. It means that we treat God like our boss and not like our Father. We are working to earn His approval, His reward, instead of resting in the assurance that the children of God have been well provided for. It means that we're paranoid. Every time something bad happens in our life, you have an accident, you get sick, You think, ah, I must have done something that made God mad at me and now God's wrath is coming down upon me. I've displeased Him. And it means that we have to justify ourselves, whether mentally or otherwise. You see, you build your defense in your mind. You make sure that you are always in the right. Anytime there's any confrontation, you have to make sure that you are the one that was right. This past weekend, I was at Kroger, and there was a log jam of grocery carts all coming together, and I got myself in the mix of this, and we were all just kind of standing there looking at each other, and so I took the initiative and kind of pushed my cart around and got in front of somebody and got out of there, and a man that was in the log jam was not happy about the fact that I cut in front of him. And he said, well, just go then. And I, I, I wanted to make a defense for myself. I was like, hey, it, no one was going anywhere. I'm right. I didn't do anything wrong. And maybe in your own life, you come into little points of conflict like that that aren't that consequential. Or you have big conflicts in your marriage or at work. And you're always one step ahead of why it is that you are righteous. Why you are right and why everyone else is wrong. And if you were ever in a court of law, you would win. But we don't relate to God like that. Our righteousness is not based upon the fact that we have the best case. It's based upon the fact that Christ lived a perfectly obedient life. And because we are joined to Him through faith, we have His righteousness as our own. So don't allow your life to be controlled in this way. Your righteousness doesn't come from being better than others. It doesn't come from following the rules. Again, it comes from Christ. So set your mind there. You have been raised from the dead and your acceptance and righteousness comes from the life of Jesus Christ. You brought debt and death to the union. He brought merit and life. To be with Christ in His resurrection means to receive acceptance before God based on His righteousness alone and not yours. So union with Christ in the past means freedom from guilt through His death. 
It means acceptance by God through Christ's resurrection. And the third thing that your union with Christ in the past means is that you have new life now. Paul says in Romans 6.4, We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We have new life in Christ. A fresh start. A clean slate. In the past, we were held down by the power of the law and sin. We were subject to obey our sinful and spiritually dead nature. But in Christ, we have been given a new life. One in which we are free to obey Christ. One in which we are free to walk in newness of life. You see, this is our point of orientation. This is how we don't get lost in this world. This is our reference for living. Set your minds upon this truth, Christian. Let this be the motivating and controlling factor in your life. That you are one with Christ. His death is your death. His life is your life. Before you were in Christ, sin controlled you. You were in sin's domain. You played by sin's rules. And that meant that you continued to walk in sin. Yet now you have the power of the Spirit of God within you because you've died to that old world and you have been raised in Christ. I know that there are struggles. There are struggles with addictions. There are struggles with doubt. There are struggles with fear and anxiety. There are struggles with anger and judgment. But in Christ you have the power of victory over these struggles. You can struggle knowing that you will win and that you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. For you have been given the resources to overcome. So set your minds upon Him. Begin walking in the power of the Spirit. Begin walking in the newness of life which is yours because you have been joined to Christ in His life, His death, and His resurrection. Now, I'm not sure how realistic the witness protection program that we see in movies really is. But as portrayed, it provides a good example of what Paul is saying here. Your past has been wiped clean. You are free from those who would seek to harm you. And therefore, you must now live under new identity. To go back to the old will just mean death. Paul is saying, look at the past work of Christ. The legal demands of this world have been severed. Your sin no longer has a hold on you. You've been forgiven of all your guilt and you have been set free to live in a manner that is pleasing to God. So set your mind on the reality that you have been freed from your past guilt. Set your mind on the reality that you have been accepted as righteous in the sight of God. Set your mind on the reality that you have been given the power to live a new life because of Christ's past work. Because Christ has joined Himself to us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go now to the Lord, asking that we might rightly respond to His Word. O God, You have sounded in our ears Your divine and saving words.
So we pray now, enlighten the souls of us sinners to the full understanding of what has been spoken, that we may not only be hearers of spiritual words, but also doers of good works, following in faith a life of holiness and grace, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.